Coming to you live from a barbecue shack near you, it's the SEC Slow Smoke Podcast. We've got the sweet tea, the white bread, and a whole lot of slow smoke takes lined up. So put down your turkey burger, turn up the volume, and grab your hog, because it's about to be on. Oh, yeah. Now, say hello to your self-proclaimed food and sports experts, the utterly enthusiastic Holt Smash, and the one and only Tinder King of Memphis, Mr. JB the underscore Brooks. And now, here's your host, always full of ship, Alex Bullship One. Welcome back to the official SEC Slow Smoke Podcast. This is week two preview. I'm your host, Alex Jordan, my two co-hosts, Holt Smash and Mr. J.B. Brooks. Holt Smash, what's up? Uh, not too much, Alex. Just uh, enjoying a nice uh, night here in beautiful Memphis, Tennessee. Are you enjoying the NCAA March Madness-like day of Major League Baseball playoffs? Yeah, I have been uh, keeping up. Um, the Braves game was very long and uh, very gut-wrenching, but luckily they were able to pull it out in the end, so I, I can enjoy the rest of the day. It was a little treat to watch uh, baseball while working from home today, and especially Braves baseball, even though it was a little stressful, like you said, um, but it's still fun to watch baseball all day. Mr. J.B. Brooks, what have you been up to lately? You've been uh, kind of tardy and late and uh, missing out. Yeah, I'm currently going through a little career change. Uh or, you know, a uh, third of a life crisis, if you will. And <laughs> yeah, excited about it. And I uh, took some uh, say examinations this morning and uh, passed them and about to uh, get started on a new career in the next few weeks. That is exciting. But as long as you know that the um, SEC Slow Smoke is your first main priority and job, then I'm all aboard with your career change, your second job career change. No, nothing will ever replace SEC Slow Smoke. This is my final stop in my career. <laughs> Glad to hear. Are y'all ready to talk some SEC football? Yes. I can't hear you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> kind of expecting a more of a emphatic response, but that's okay. We'll we'll get through this together, guys. Um, so SEC football week two. Uh, game's better than week one, I think. Uh, however, non, non-conference or out-of-conference SEC game, out-of-conference, outside of SEC, not great game. So we're going to just focus on the SEC this week. Um, best game, I guess, obvious is Auburn and Georgia. Um, Holt, are you not as excited about this A&M Alabama game as you were a couple weeks ago? You know, I'm actually still pretty excited about it. Um... I really like what I saw from Texas A&M's defense. Um, would have liked to see a little bit more from that offense in Kellen Mond. But, may, you know, I'm just – I'm holding out a little bit of hope that maybe they were just holding everything back for Alabama this week. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. Um, there's been there's been a couple of those games. I mean, it's like nothing can ever live up to the Johnny Menzel A&M game where they beat Alabama. Uh, that was in Tuscaloosa, right? Or, Yep. Yeah, it was. Yeah, that ever since they joined the conference and uh, put a huge exclamation point on their welcome party to by beating Alabama, they haven't really had the same 
type of games, at least against Alabama. They beat, you know, they had that seven over seven overtime or eight overtime game against A and M or against LSU a couple years ago, but um, they haven't just taken over the SEC like I kind of wanted them to do. So uh, we'll see how this game plays out. But this is kind of important for the Jimbo Fisher era to kind of make his mark as okay, we're going to be the top dogs in the SEC. Other games in the SEC. Uh, JB, do you think the South Carolina-Florida game is a little bit trickier than uh, the experts would say? I mean, I would say so. You know, the one thing we always know about is week one to week two is when the teams make the most drastic improvements. And, I mean, when you watch South Carolina, I mean, their offense uh, at times, you know, showed a little bit more life than I've seen out of their offense really since when Spurrier was there. I mean, I mean, it's not like the Tennessee defense was a terrible defense. They were moving the ball against, you know, at the time. And I think that, uh, you know, we saw Florida's defense struggle a lot last week against Ole Miss. And, you know, that's something I'm, I'm going to be looking forward to watching. Uh, we know that Florida's offense uh, looks really, really solid. I mean, Kyle Trask is on another level right now. Uh, he's really got good connections with his receivers. But, you know, I'm, I'm really more excited about that game than, yeah, than a lot of people would be. Game I'm excited about uh, that low-key kind of looks good is this Ole Miss at Kentucky game. You know, Kentucky uh, could could have played Auburn a little bit better. They had a couple missed calls that people want to go to war over and say like that kind of not necessarily cost the game, but definitely change the momentum in Auburn's favor and kind of change the direction of the game after that. You have Ole Miss who, you know, got beat pretty good by Florida, but they didn't look too bad in that game against Florida. Uh, JB, I talked to Holt about this last podcast about uh, obviously Florida looks good, but I don't think Ole Miss looked too bad. I know you're you're high on Kentucky. So um, from these two teams, both of these teams are looking to rebound in the second week of the season. How do you think this game plays out with, um, you know, Lane Kiffin versus, um, man, I can't even think of the guy's name, Stoops, <laughs> Mark Stoops. Took me a second. Uh, how do you think this plays out with the two teams trying to rebound in week two? Yeah, I mean, when you look at last week, I mean, between the two games, I mean, Kentucky gave that game away at Auburn. I mean, they made some really terrible mistakes. Uh, of course, the pick six uh, that would have put Kentucky up a touchdown, you know, that would end up not being a 14-point swing, but it ended up, uh, you know, keeping Auburn the lead before halftime. I mean, that was crucial. And then that was a, it was a touchdown before that. I mean – it was initially ruled a touchdown, and then it was called back. The play was pushed back, you know, to the one-yard line. And then on an ensuing play, uh, Terry Wilson throws a pick – or a near pick six, and uh, they ended up not getting a touchdown. So, I mean, that was an absolute killer. I mean, I thought Kentucky's defense for the for a lot of the game held their own against Auburn. It's just uh, the offense was really struggling to get things going. And, you know, Kevin Steele, like, let's give him some credit. I mean – Every year, like we say, that their their defense is going to take a step back, and he just keeps plugging in guys, and they just keep the ball rolling. I mean, he's got a really established system at Auburn, you know, with his defenses. I mean, he's a very underrated defensive coordinator. I elaborated about this last year. Yeah. Uh, so don't, yeah. So, sorry. Yeah. Go ahead, go, baby. Yeah, I was just moving on to the uh, Ole Miss game. I mean, as far as, like, Ole Miss is concerned, uh, we knew their offense was going to be, you know – pretty pretty good offense i mean they have plenty of uh, you know skilled players you know on that team and i was i was really uh you know surprised to see that corral end up you know winning the starting position but you know he didn't have a terrible game against florida either 
I mean, the Florida defense uh, was definitely struggling to uh, contain this Ole Miss, you know, attack and and uh, using Plumley in different, you know, sets and formations. I mean, that was really fun to watch. And I think, you know, with Lane Kiffin there and uh, Jeff Levy, I mean, they're going to be a fun offense to watch. My big concern with Ole Miss is their defense. Uh, their defense is absolutely atrocious, so they're going to have to outscore a lot of teams. Speaking of rebounds, are you expecting LSU to completely dominate Vanderbilt in a week two uh, kind of redemption game and just take everything out against poor little Vanderbilt? Uh, I definitely think that's a possibility, um, you know, but you got to give some credit. I mean, last week, um, the freshman Seals quarterback uh, played pretty well, except for a really bad interception at the end of the game. Um but other than that, played a really good game, I thought. Um, you know, I'm just not really sure that Vanderbilt's offense is going to be able to move the ball too much, though. Um, and that's kind of what I'm concerned about. Miles Brennan kind of came on a little bit in the second half. And uh, they're definitely going to come out upset this weekend. And, um, you know, I don't want to say, like, I don't want to pick the spread quite yet. But, I mean, you know, I definitely think that uh, LSU is going to be looking to show, uh, you know, show some doubters wrong. Yeah, I think they, they moved down to number 20 in the rankings. And it's kind of hard to keep the rankings straight because I think – I don't know before if, like, the when they were number six, is that including all of, like, the Big Ten and, I guess, Pac-12 teams or, or just the Big Ten teams. So, I don't know what, what the true ranking was before, but they were number six last week. I just don't know if that included Big Ten or not. But they're number 20 now. Do you think that's a fair ranking or do you think they should have gone down a little bit? Uh, I guess not as much as they did. I mean, I don't like honestly. This time of year, I really just don't care about the rankings at all. Like, I almost kind of wish they didn't do them. I think the only reason they do them is for people to argue about. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, truthfully, like, it's kind of hard to say. I mean, I don't know if there's twenty teams in the country that I would pick to beat LSU, but um, at the same time, if you just want to talk about like deserving, you know, like the fact that they're zero and one. I mean, it's hard to say they deserve to be ranked. I mean, they're kind of just being ranked off of you know, potential more so than anything else because they, you know, obviously did not look good at all. Yeah. Uh, Sam, with you here, Holt, if uh, if KJ Costello had 600 yards passing against LSU, does that mean he's going to have like 900 yards against Arkansas here? Uh, I don't think so. Um, I expect Barry Odom to uh, come up with at least something other than just playing main coverage across the board. Uh, I think that they're going to mix in some more zone, especially with the linebackers just going off what Sam Pittman was saying in his uh, um, weekly press conference. Um, so I definitely expect them to try to play a little more zone and keep stage receivers in front of them and come up and make tackles. Um, and, you know, Arkansas's defense played pretty well last week uh, for the most part. Um, you know, obviously Georgia's offense looks pretty bad, but I think Arkansas's defense has improved from last year. Um, you know, I think Barry Odom was a really good hire on that side of the ball. So I, I think that they'll have some, uh, you know, some a little bit better game plan than LSU did. And uh, hopefully they'll at least make some adjustments mid game if things aren't going uh, aren't going well. But uh, no, I, I definitely don't expect uh, KJ to, to make it over six hundred yards two weeks in a row. <laughs> we're uh, we're not going to pick uh, we're not going to pick the uh, game predictions yet or do the spread or over under. But um, do have a number for I guess I'll throw this one to you, JB. Um, I'll throw the number at one and a half, and that's the number I have for the over-under for Felipe Frank's interceptions against Mississippi State. So wondering what you would pick for that spread or that line, I guess. Uh, do you know what 
Are you asking me what the spread is? Or no, no, what? no. I'm saying if if I gave you one and a half, and I'm saying that's the number that you have to bet over or under for Felipe Frank's interceptions this week against Mississippi State, what would you say? I'd go under. Ooh, that's that's an improvement. Like honestly, that might not be a bad game against uh, Mississippi State if he only throws one interception or less. No, it wouldn't. I mean, Felipe Franks is one of those, you know, trick or treat type quarterbacks. I mean, there's some games where, you know, he looks like an NFL prospect and looks like the five star prospect, you know, that we expected him to be. And then there's other games where you're just like, what in the world is this guy doing? How in the world did he get a starting job? I mean, I think this week against State, I mean, hold elaborated with me last week while we were watching the games that they were starting a true freshman or was it a walk-on, I think, in their secondary against LSU. And, um, you know, that's – I mean, that, and we saw Miles Brennan in the second half was able to uh, move the ball and you know, throw the ball a lot better than he did in the first half. So, I mean, I, I don't see how – I mean, I, I could see definitely that uh, Felipe Franks could, you know, only throw one interception in this game or less. Yeah, I don't know what games you've been watching that you think he's, like, ever looked like an NFL prospect. I, like, the only thing – I think is that um, he's got the size and arm talent, but like I've never seen him just put a complete game together, except for like maybe against like UT Martin last year. Well, I was going to say the Georgia game uh, two years ago, he had a, a really good game against them. He made one of the best throws that I've seen, like up across the middle. You probably, you may remember the throws. Are you Georgia. talking about uh, 2018? Yes. Yeah. I'm, and sorry to like call this out. I'm just I'm looking at his game log, so like the stats don't look great. I'm sure he had that one good throw. He looks like he had a long throw of 36 against Georgia um, in 2018, but his numbers were 13 for 21, 105 yards, one touchdown, one interception. So nothing, nothing great. But um, I'm sure he had that one good throw. But like I just, I guess that's like the my favorite person to shit on this year is Felipe Franks, and he's got all the arm talent, man. Like I mean, he, yeah. the tools, the size. The, the arm talent. I mean, he's got the best arm of any quarterback in the SEC. Yeah. Jeffy, tell, tell me about this Missouri-Tennessee game. I, I didn't get to read it completely through because I was working, watching the Braves game also. Um, but I saw something – somebody tweeted out something that um, Drinkowitz said about Tennessee or Knoxville. I guess he's never been to Knoxville is what they said. Yeah, yeah. he said not being to Knoxville. And uh, he's never seen – been inside Elon Stadium. He said he won't get to see it, you know, full with 100,000-plus, but he said he'll enjoy looking at the 2,500 cardboard cutouts or something like that. Okay, there's nothing disrespectful about that. It's just like he was just making a comment, I guess. I guess so, yeah. Okay. Um, did Speaking of coaches' comments, uh, Holt, did you hear the – I think you actually did – you were the one who tweeted it where I saw um, the one where they asked Kirby Smart about um, Gus Malzahn basically complimenting uh, Georgia has the most talented team in the SEC, and Kirby Smart just didn't like that. Yeah, that was a pretty funny clip. Uh, for those of you who haven't seen it, basically, a reporter asked uh, Kirby Smart about Gus Malzahn uh, saying that Georgia is the most talented team in the SEC, and <laughs> Kirby had a pretty uh, funny response. He, he kept a straight face the whole time, which uh, was pretty surprising to me, but he basically just said, um, yeah, you know, we're the most talented team in the SEC this week, and Whoever they're playing next week is going to be the most talented team in the SEC. And then whoever they play the week after that is going to be the most talented team in the SEC. He's like, <laughs> he goes, uh, that's called coach speak. And uh, so thanks, Gus. And you have the most talented team in the SEC. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I would remember uh, this is different than football, but I remember at Memphis when Coach 
Josh Pastner was a coach. We would always make fun of him because he would like say like whenever we're playing like Austin P or UT Martin, he'd be like, "Yeah, they have a great team, great coaching staff. They're well prepared. They have really great talent on their team." It's just like, no, you're you're so much better than that team, and like you can't just say that just because like you don't want to like say they suck or you're that much better than them. But um, I guess in Gus Malzahn's defense, Georgia does have really great talent, and I think they probably do have one of the best talented teams or the most talented teams in the SEC, if not the country, maybe Alabama has a little bit more talent. But if you go into that comment of that, um, that video clip on Twitter, that's where people were saying that like Georgia's had like the top three classes past like three or four years ever since Kirby's got there. So um, he actually does have the most talented team. So maybe that's something also that Kirby takes a little uh, personal because you're saying like, well, why aren't you winning more with all that talent? But I think that's, that's sort of the vibe that I got was that, he was basically like just setting him up to fail. You know what I mean? Basically just saying, Oh, you got like all this talent, you know, hope, you know, hope you can uh, keep it together and, uh, you know, go in a championship or something instead of, you know, underachieving like Georgia always does. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, a lot of people may not realize it, but I mean, a part of me thinks that Kirby Smart might be a little bit of a crossroads with Georgia. Like they haven't been able to get over that hump with Alabama. They struggled a lot opener against Arkansas. Uh, we know their defense is really good. Can their offense, you know, step up? But, you know, he's got arguably the most talented team in the SEC this year. I mean, he's he's pretty much closed the gap with Alabama, I mean, on paper as far as talent is concerned. But Alabama still looks, you know, a lot better than Georgia has the last couple of years. And you just, we saw LSU last year, I mean, just completely throttled Georgia in the SEC championship. Uh, Kirby Smart has a lot to prove because, you know, I feel like if he doesn't have a figure this year, I mean, it's very possible a couple of games doesn't I mean the momentum could definitely slow down yeah I mean I don't think he's in any trouble with his job or anything like that but um we talked about this in the last uh, podcast um when you weren't here JB we talked about the like culture problems at like Texas because like they have all the resources but like for some reason like they just can't like win 10 or 11 games every year like you think they should with Tom Herman and the same thing with Florida State like ever since um Jimbo and Jameis left like it kind of just have gone downhill ever since like that whenever they were like ranked number three playing Alabama in Atlanta like they've the just only, gone down the only difference Florida State and Texas is Florida State has the, arguably the worst facilities of any major college football program in FBS Texas facilities are state-of-the-art yeah but I mean you're also like in the really good recruiting area for Florida State too so I mean same with Texas and Georgia and everything else but um still Florida State should be a lot better than they are right now regardless of their facilities but um, I guess what I was getting at is that uh, you're talking about Kirby Smart being at a crossroads right now and I I think like Georgia might be like that culture issue too like where they're always always going to be kind of good good in the SEC team team and recently been like a top five team top 10 team but um, it reminds me that they might or might makes me think they might be regressing back towards like the Mark Rick era where they're good but not great they can't ever get over the hump and we'll see how that plays out I mean this year they don't they don't look great right now but we'll see how it plays out over next year and the year after that but I mean Kirby Smart started off strong so did Mark Rick but I think Kirby Smart could be regressing back to the Mark Rick Harris the point I'm making exactly and this year is gonna be pivotal for them for sure yeah all right let's uh unless you want to do you want to break down the Missouri Tennessee game yet JB a little bit more do you want to just go straight to the predictions I'd say we can go to straight to predictions. I mean, I can break it down just a little bit when we get to the predictions, but I'd say okay. let's go to the predictions. That's what everyone's listening. 
Yeah, that's what that's where everybody's gonna get rich, right, Holt? Exactly. That's exactly right. As long <laughs> as you go with my picks, you'll be good. Yeah. We 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 haven't got the tracker yet. We should have got the like the uh, tracker on how our picks are doing this year. Yeah, before uh, predictions up, I'm sure you saw the news. Uh, Alex, uh, Greg Sankey tweeted that all waivers have been granted in the SEC. So the two notables, uh, Joey Gatewood and Cade Mays, were uh, ruled eligible. So that's uh, huge news for uh, Kentucky and for Tennessee. And uh, JT Daniels obviously got pretty yeah. much. Medically cleared this week too. So those you, are the big names. Do you think Joey Gate was going to start over Terry Wilson now? I don't know if he starts right away, but I definitely think he's going to play in in some capacity, whether it's he's, like pitch type thing or something like that. But I I definitely do think that he's going to get on the field one way or another. Yeah, I watched him play in limited action last year in Auburn, and he uh, he wasn't a scrub. I mean, you could see. I mean, like he didn't he didn't look as good as um, Nick's, but. Uh, he still, to me, looks like he had a lot of talent. Yeah, I, I mean, I definitely think he could do something, especially, you know, with the way that they use running quarterbacks. Um, and he's a big guy. So, uh, you know, it'd be interesting to see what they can do with him. Yeah. All right, let's get to the the picks. I'm just going to kind of go in order with the time here, uh, what time the kickoff is. So, start with the first game of the day, first two games, I guess, South Carolina at Florida. Um, I think we're all going to pick Florida here, but the line here is 17 and a half for Florida. Start with you, JB. Do you think um, Florida or South Carolina will cover that line? I've got South Carolina covering this line. I mean, it's Will Muschamp. Uh, his teams play ugly games, and every time they play Florida, it's always closer than the experts say. I'm going to go with South Carolina covering it. They do play well against Florida. I was going to make that point, too. That's a good, great point. Go ahead, Holt. Yeah, I'm going to have to agree. And, uh, you know, I wasn't all that impressed with Florida's defense last week. That was just Ole Miss's offense being really good or what. But, uh, you know, Florida's defense kind of surprised me a little bit last week with how bad they played. And South Carolina's offense kind of surprised me a little bit with how well they played. And, obviously, um, you know, Muschamp, former coach at Florida, I think his players are going to, you know, play hard for him for that reason. And, I mean, honestly, they should just be desperate for a win right now. I mean, they're coming off a loss. This is – you know, a tough situation that they're in. And, um, you know, well, much in a lot of trouble. So this is kind of, a, you know, not necessarily a muscle win, but definitely like they need a good performance here. Missouri at Tennessee, still a noon Eastern kickoff. Line is 11 and a half. I'm assuming we're all going to pick Tennessee, but this one could be, I guess, a toss up. But also, me personally, um, I think the 11 and a half line is a little too low for Tennessee. It's kind of, I don't think Missouri's that great, and I think Tennessee is coming off a better year last year, and they didn't look, like, horrible against South Carolina. So I think 11.5 might be too low. Start with you, Holt. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to go with Tennessee to cover. This is a tough one for me. I feel like – I mean, that's, like, right about right for me. Um, You know, I I just – Missouri, I I just don't know what to really expect. I mean, Tennessee's offense, I thought, played pretty well. So, um, you know, I I expect defense to have a good game. And, uh, you know, cover that 11.5 point spread. Um, not a blowout or anything, but just a comfortable win for Tennessee. Debbie, who, who's going to be the big, big playmaker in this game? I keep going back and forth on this. <laughs> but, well, I, I was going <laughs> to. There you off. There you off for the question. Threw me off here. I thought you were going to ask me what the line is. But uh, as far as big playmaker, uh, you know, let's go with Eric Gray. I think he's going to have, a, you know, a few big runs. Last week, I thought Ty Chandler, you know, had some of the big plays. But, you know, they, they really have a good running, you know, running back duo with uh, Ty Chandler and Eric Gray. Yeah. 
especially uh, getting Cade Mays back. The offensive line just got deeper. Uh, they're going to – I think that Jim Chaney's really going to try to establish a run more in this game and try to be in more balance. And I really think you're going to see a uh, run-heavy uh, offense uh, this Saturday in Knoxville. So, with a line at 11.5, what are you picking? Yeah, like reiterating, I was going back and forth on this, but I am going to go with Tennessee to cover. It's it's tough. I mean, Tennessee doesn't blow out any teams, really. I mean, I, I don't see them blowing out really hardly anybody. It's just the way they play. They like to play close and and find ways to win. But I, I do think, you know, they're way more talented than Missouri. They're at home. Uh, they need a tune-up game in a way to uh, get the, you know, work out the kinks from the previous week and get ready for a battle the following weekend against Georgia. Do you think this is going to be a defensive struggle, JB? I do not. I think Tennessee's offense is going to be able to move the ball fairly well in this one. I think that Tennessee could definitely score 30 points for sure. I mean, they could maybe even I, – I do think they're going to get over 30, and I think – uh, Missouri will get in the double digits, but I mean, I do think that Tennessee covers this by the by uh, the eleven half point line. I know there's some over analysis on Ball Nation, but uh, what's the um, consensus on Garantano after one game? A lot of you know the things that we've noticed about Garantano in this last game is his decision making. It was actually really good last week against South Carolina. I mean, it was the best decision making that we've seen from him uh, really in any game. The problem last week was his mechanics. I mean, he was missing wide receivers, like, you know, way above, like, you know, left and right, but especially throwing over the receivers' heads and throwing behind them, too. Like, this is just, like, simple mechanics that he was messing up on. It may have been, a lot of it may have been nerves, too, but as far as decision-making, I mean, this was the best that I've ever seen him, you know, making the right reads and, you know, throwing into the right guys. I'm excited to see Harrison Bailey play one day. Yeah, I mean, hopefully they'll get enough big enough lead or you know, it won't be like his injury or something else, but um, I'm excited to see him because I know he's got a lot of arm talent from what you tell me, what, what I read. Yeah, I mean, it's crazy to say, like, Harrison Bailey is the future, but I think he's probably – he's still, like, battling for third on the depth chart with Brian Maurer. JT Shroud has really asserted himself as the uh, second-string quarterback, but, you know, the quarterback battle next year, if there's not one this year, it's going to be really exciting. Yeah. All right, let's move on to the um, CBS game of the week. A&M at Alabama. The line is 17. Holt, do you think Kellen Mond can score three touchdowns against this Alabama defense? Missouri did score 19 in garbage time, so you think Kellen Mond can rise to the occasion? I think he's finally a senior, and it's finally time for him to step up and show everybody what's up. Yeah, I think so. I think they can get above three touchdowns. Um, you know, I, I don't know. If they're gonna get, if he's gonna have like three passing touchdowns, but I think AM's gonna get in the end zone three times. Um, you know, I don't expect Kelmon to have a huge game. I expect it to be a little bit more of a team effort, but uh, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, AM kept this game close. I'm actually um, gonna go ahead and take AM to cover the spread in this one. Um, you know, I really like their defense. They really, you know, I mean, they've really consistently been improving on that side of the ball. Um, we always know that AM has talent. Um, and this is a game that they've really been looking forward to. I expect Jimbo Fisher also to kind of um, slow the game down a little bit and play a little bit of ball control, like old school. And, um, you know, I expect this to be a quick game, and uh, I expect uh, A&M to be efficient on offense, but maybe not create a lot of big plays, just keep the ball away from Alabama. Uh, I, really like, uh, I really like A&M to not, not win the game, but cover the spread. 
Jebby, I know you uh, don't like Alabama as a Tennessee fan, but do you root against Alabama just for the sake of more parity in the SEC? And, like, it would be great to see another team like A&M step up in the West? I mean, I appreciate Alabama's, you know, dynasty they've had for the last 15 years. I mean, we're not going to ever see a dynasty again like we, we've seen from Saban. Uh, Clemson's getting there. Do what? So Clemson. <laughs> Clemson's getting there. No, Clemson's not getting there. Sorry, I mean, I, I respect Clemson too, but I mean, Dabo is not going to be at Clemson forever either. I mean, eventually he's either going to try, he's going to, he'll go home to Alabama or he'll try his hand in the NFL, but that's beside the point. My point being is that, yes, I want to see some more parity, and I do believe parity is coming. I mean, the coaches we have in the SEC right now are top of the line. The coaching has definitely gotten better. Uh, all the schools are, you know, recruiting almost on an equal footing now. Uh, LSU, uh, Georgia, Auburn. Uh, Texas A&M, even Tennessee and Florida are, you know, recruiting, you know, the high-level recruits that Alabama used to always – like Alabama used to be way better than all the other schools uh, when Saban first got there and really for the first, you know, five, seven years. But now the other schools are starting to close the gap on the talent level and also getting the coaching staffs to match it. And parity is definitely coming, in my opinion. I mean, we're already starting to see it a little bit. I mean, Alabama is definitely the best team this year. But, I mean, they weren't the best team last year. And, you know, that's – something I think we're going to be looking forward to coming up. But I'm not going to highly root against Alabama. I mean, because I, I, you know, it's just I don't want to see – like I hate seeing dynasties fall too. But, you know, eventually, you know, their time will come. I mean, it goes in cycles. But, you know, this weekend I'm, I'm, I am excited to see uh, more, more or less uh, how a responds after last week. 17-point line, what you got? I've got A&M covering it. I mean – we did not really see the offense perform up to what they're supposed to be. I mean, Kellen Mond is – I don't know if you've seen, but he's, like, projected as a second-round pick in the NFL draft this year. I mean – He better well, step up then. Obviously, he hasn't performed as well in college, but NFL scouts, they see him as an NFL talent. So, I mean, it's either Jimbo Fisher is really, you know, not utilizing his potential or what. But, I mean, I really want to see this uh, A&M offense. I mean, the defense looked really good against Vanderbilt and – you know, it could have been maybe they were trying to hold some stuff back. I, I don't believe that's the case. But as I said earlier in the podcast, week one to week two is when you make the most improvements. We'll learn a lot about AM this Saturday for sure. Ole Miss at Kentucky. Hold, which player in this game will have the most rushing yards? I mean, you got to go there, guy Cavassier Smoke, right? I what mean, about Terry Wilson? Terry Wilson, your boy Early? Uh, Ely. Ely, Ely, or early? I like to call him early myself. Yeah. Are you guys buddies? Is that is that what you call him? I mean, he called. Yeah. I mean, he said it was all good if I call him early because he's always he's always early to that first down. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, I would probably go to Kavasi Smoke. Um, Ole Miss's defense is atrocious. You know, really did a good job. Um, Kentucky's offense did a really good job, at least inside the twenties. Or, or at least uh, Auburn, um, you know, I think they played well enough to win. And, uh, you know, unfortunately they just had some bad mistakes in the fourth quarter. And uh, obviously that back before halftime, taking away a touchdown from them that they should have had. But, uh, you know, this is another game where I think really desperate. Like, we you know, we talked about it earlier. I think Kentucky is, is also, you know, really wanting to come out and get a win this week um, after last week because – and then the season uh, get away really quick. So I think Kentucky's really going to come out motivated in this game. Six half point line, hope. 
Yeah. And uh, I would take Kentucky to cover that. Um, you know, I, I really like what I saw from Ole Miss's offense, but unfortunately the defense is really more of the same. And I don't think they're going to have anything for this rushing attack. And, you know, if Kentucky decides they want to throw the ball, that'll probably be open too. Um, just because, you know, I mean, we saw it Florida secondary last week. Um, you know, I, I obviously don't think Kentucky's passing game quite as good as Florida's, but um, one way or another, I, I expect Kentucky to be able to move the ball and uh, control the tempo of the game. And uh, Duck, or, uh, Ole Miss's offense, a few points, but um, I, I expect Kentucky to win this game uh, by double digits. JB, the over-under for this game is 61.5. I know we think both teams, or at least Ole Miss's defense sucks and their offense is awesome. Do you think that is too high for an over-and-under? I mean, I think it's about right. I mean, you know, like we said, like I, said, I mentioned how Kentucky's offense struggled, you know, against Auburn. But, I mean, I still would probably take Kentucky's offense over Ole Miss's defense. I mean, as far as, like, which one's going to win that battle. Mm-hmm. And I, I do expect Kentucky to be able to put some points over on Ole Miss. And I think Kentucky's defense will help cancel out, cancel out a little bit compared to Ole Miss's. I think Kentucky's defense is – better than what we saw from Florida last week. I mean, I, I was really disappointed in Florida's defense. But, I mean, I, I think this is going to be a, a really close game, too. I mean, I don't – it's hard for me to go with the line. I think the line really is about right. But I, I would go with uh, Ole Miss to cover, but Kentucky to win. Gotcha. Next game up is – I think it's the game day game. Uh, Auburn at Georgia this week. Uh, 7.30 ESPN. Georgia has the seven-point favorite. Um, it should be fun. Uh, JB, do you like how this rivalry is happening so early this year? I do. Like, I really love this uh, new schedule. I mean, it doesn't just, uh, you know, affect Auburn. It affects Tennessee. Now, uh, the big change is, of course, it was going to happen this year until COVID happened. But, you know, the Auburn-Georgia game has got moved, you know, to early October. And in essence, the Tennessee-Georgia game is now in mid-November. Uh, in that same slot that Georgia Auburn was, so now uh, of course for ten- as a tennis as a guy that likes Tennessee, like Tennessee's got their three biggest rivals spread out, you know, in s- September, October, November. And if you're Auburn, you're not playing your two biggest rivals and back, to, you know, two out of three weeks, you know, in the end of the season in November. So I mean, it benefits two schools, and you get a big rivalry game in early October with Auburn and Georgia. I mean, who's not? Yeah. A couple of points I want to add on to there about that is the Auburn-Georgia thing. That was kind of crazy a couple of years ago when they had to, like, play the rivalry game. And then, like, two or three weeks later, they played again in the SEC championship, which was kind of fun. But also, like, you kind of want that spread out. Another thing that um, I'm sure you don't love but um, has been a factor for Tennessee's schedule is just they've – it's so front-loaded in the last, like, five or six games of the year. Um, they're all winnable games, which is nice headed into the bowl season. But it's just – You'd rather see that spread out as a fan and as a fan of college football in general. Exactly. The schedule is going to be a little bit more balanced by getting Georgia uh, later in the season, and now they're going to be playing Missouri earlier in the season. So, I mean, I, I think it's it's going to be more awesome because I always hated how by mid to late October, Tennessee's, like, the best games on their schedule are already played. Like, And then, like, November is really boring. So it's, it's going to be more fun now. Break down the game for me, J.B. Seven-point favorite for Georgia. Yeah, this one's really tough for me. I mean, Auburn looked a lot better against Kentucky than I expected. I mean, I, I, I mean, to be honest, I, I missed it. I picked Kentucky to beat Auburn, and that did not happen. 
but Georgia really struggled against Arkansas. I know they, you know, they put the game away, you know, in the second half, but they did not really look that good. I mean, I saw a lot of inconsistencies, especially on offense. I mean, I know Stetson Bennett came in and gave him a spark off the bench, but I mean, is he, he's not going to be the quarterback this week. I would assume I would imagine it's going to be JT Daniels. So he's going to be making his first start against a really solid defensive coordinator and, and Kevin Steele and a really good defense in Auburn that, you know, surprised me greatly against Kentucky. And this, this game really worries me for Georgia. I mean, Auburn, you know, has had, has been able to, you know, teams when, you know, you don't expect them to. I mean, I know it's a six and a half point, you know, line, but I don't think there's a lot of people that are going to be picking Auburn in this one. And I'm going to go with Auburn to cover the six and a half line and not just cover the six and a half line, but I'm going to go with Auburn to win this straight up. Holt, do you have anything to add to that? Um, yeah, I mean, I, as bad as Georgia played in that first half last week, um, you know, they, they still really rebounded and played well in the second half. Um, I think that Georgia's defense is significantly better than Auburn's. Um, and I think offensively, um, you know, Auburn does have a slight edge. But, uh, you know, I, I really like what I saw from Georgia in the second half. And, uh, you know, I do think that they are the more talented team. Um, you know, I don't know who starts a quarterback this week. Uh, I would assume it's probably going to be JT Daniels, but we'll just have to wait and see. Um, and uh, Kentucky's offensive line pushed around Auburn a little bit in that game. And uh, this is not the same Auburn defensive line from last year. Um, you know, I, I'm sort of going with the teams that looked last week. I don't know if you guys have been picking up on that trend, but, you know, between A&M and Georgia, like, I, I just – I'm sticking to my guns a little bit for my preseason predictions. And, uh, you know, I'm not that high on Auburn with all that they lost. And uh, I just think Georgia's a more talented team. I think they're better on both lines of scrimmage. And uh, – you know, Bo Nix is going to have to have a really big game for Auburn to have a chance in this one. And I just – I'm just going to have to go with Georgia at home. And uh, I like them to cover the spread as well. Next game up is Arkansas at Mississippi State. Um, it's a shame, Holt, that the uh, fans are limited at uh, in Starkville for this game because it would be packed even for Arkansas just coming, coming off that big win against LSU and everyone would come out show support for – the team and Coach Leach, so it's just it's kind of sad that um, you can't have the fans, all the fans in there can't be 100% capacity. It's going to be limited, but I still think it'll be pretty loud at Davis Wade on Saturday. Yeah, I agree, and I mean, you know, it, it is a shame, um, you know, everything that's going on um, that, uh, you know, we can't enjoy like our normal Saturdays, but you know, it's a small price to pay for the stuff that's going on in the world, I guess. Uh, it's just, I'm just glad we're playing, honestly. But, uh, you know, as far as this game goes, um, the line, you know, is, is pretty big for an SEC game, especially for Mississippi State. You don't see Mississippi State favored by this much in conference games very often. Um, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they, you know, have a little bit of a slow start in this one just coming off of last week. And uh, I do expect Barry Odom to have a good game plan. Um I expect a close game in the first half, but I think Mississippi State will pull away in the second half. Um, you know, I wouldn't be surprised at all if Felipe Franks has a couple of big throws in this game. Um, you know, to which team? Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> no, I think he'll. Uh, I think he'll complete some passes to to some guys in white jerseys. Uh, <laughs> but uh, no, I'm, you know, as we talked about earlier, State secondary is, uh, I think, going to show to be a weak point over the course of the year. Um, you know, they did give up, 
even with the rough first half for Miles Brennan, they st- still did give up over 300 passing yards. And uh, the middle of the, the field um, deep was pretty much open the whole game. And LSU finally started to figure that out at, at one point. So um, I, I do think that uh, Arkansas will be able to hit some big plays in the passing game. But uh, I just think that State and K.J. Costello, like, he just looked so good last week. And he's such an experienced player, and he's really poised and uh, strong in the pocket. And I don't think that uh, Arkansas is going to be able to get the pass rush that uh, LSU could week ago. Um, so I expect a higher completion percentage this week uh, from K.J. Costello and maybe less yards. But I, I expect Mississippi State to pull away in the second half. But I, I like Arkansas to cover the spread. The spread is 17 and a half for those that don't know. Uh, JB, the over-under is 69 and a half. Um, nice. Yeah, that's what, exactly what I was thinking. Do you think uh, Vegas is expecting this like over-under to be some something like a 50 to 20 game? Like I'm trying to figure out like how what the actual score would be for this over-under to hit right on the nose. I guess it's 17 and a half points, so it would be like 40 to 25, something like that. 40 to 23, whatever that math is. I could see that, but I mean, I, I don't think, I think I would go with the under on the 69 and a half. I mean, I know that state had a really good game last week, but I'm, uh, you know, Arkansas's defense. I mean, I really like what Barry Odom did with that last week against the you know, really talented Georgia team. And I mean, I think Barry Odom's going to have a pretty good idea of how he wants to contain this, this state's state attack. He's not going to contain it. Well, though, I mean, I'm, not, not. I mean, that sounds horrible to say. I mean, it is what it is. State's definitely going to be, you know, with the air raid, you know, you, you you win your battles, you pick your battles. You're not going to win all of them, though. And, I mean, I still think State's going to be able to get, you know, 30-plus points. But, I mean, it's de- they're definitely not going to – we're definitely not going to see, you know, the 69, 69 and a half covered. Sure. Uh, so, for the over-under at 17 and a half, what do you think for that? I'm going with uh, State to cover that. Uh, I did not really like a lot what I saw from Arkansas's offense last week. I mean, they had that one, you know, touchdown, that, that really nice throw that Felipe Franks threw. But other than that, I mean, the offense was really stagnant. I mean, granted, they played a what I think is probably going to be the best defense in the SEC, but it did not look good at all last week. And I need to see more out of them to uh, feel more confident in, as far as, like, them covering that 17-point line. Because I, I do know that State's going to get uh, – probably close to 40 points. I don't think that uh, Arkansas can score 20 on state. Last game, LSU at Vanderbilt. Um, I just noticed that these last three games are all at the same time, 730. There's, I guess there's um, both are LSU and Vanderbilt and Arkansas and Mississippi State or SEC Network. I guess they're going to do like that A and B channel thing going on. But um, LSU at Vanderbilt, 730, same time as the Auburn-Georgia game, Mississippi State and Arkansas. Um, 20 and a half point favorite for LSU. Um do you think they're going to be affected at all by that home crowd and Nashville Holt? <laughs> uh, no, I don't think so. Um, but I will say maybe Vanderbilt has a little bit of an edge because they're used to playing in front of crowds like that. Yeah. Um, but uh, no, I'm just kidding. Vanderbilt fans, please, uh, please stay out of my DMs. But uh, this week, uh, I, I think LSU bounces back and they have a really big game. And I do think they cover the spread. Miles Brennan, you know, needs to come out and have a big game. I think they're going to be aggressive on offense. And uh, I think the defense is, you know, really a lot to prove. And going against this Vanderbilt offense, it doesn't really have a lot of weapons. Um, I really expect uh, LSU's defense to show up and have a big game. And uh, I would be surprised if – I said Vanderbilt wasn't going to score last week and they ended up scoring 12. 
this week I'm going to say they're going to be under 10, so single digits for. You, you know, the focus this week is going to be on LSU, uh, I guess, redeeming themselves from last week, and especially Miles Brennan to see how he looks, to see how he can be like the next quarterback up at LSU after Joe Burrow. But I'm more interested to see how uh, John Emery is going to do at running back. Um, you know, coming out of high school, he's like number two running back uh, in the country. And uh, at this up to this point, he hasn't done too much. I mean, LSU's had a lot of great running backs ahead of him, so he hasn't got much playing time. But I think it's his time to shine. And LSU's always had great running backs, so I'm excited to see how great he can do next week. Uh, JB, you want to talk about that for a second? Yeah, uh, I was going to say, uh, elaborate with what Holt was saying. This is going to be the time uh, where not having fans is going to affect the is going to really benefit the home team. Yeah, I guess you want to make a joke too. Is that what you're saying? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you got it, JB. I did, I did. But yeah, I mean, I think LSU is going to have a bounce back week uh, this week. I mean, during the second half, I mean, LSU looked a lot better than the first half. And, you know, not playing with any fans, I mean, it's not going to really matter. I mean, I think that LSU is going to, uh, you know, win this swing game. Uh, I think the 20 point line is. Probably about right, but I, I think LSU is going you know, to win by more. Than- yeah, I think. Um, yeah, I think you're both right. This is going to be a big uh, redemption game, and uh, unfortunately, they're going to have to take it out on Vanderbilt. All right, that's all of our games this week. Before we leave, um, any either of you wants to make either a bold prediction or the uh, SEC Player of the Week prediction for offense or defense. Oh, man, that's a tough one. You know, I wasn't even thinking about this. Um, that's a good point, though. Yeah, I mean. I mean, I already had a bold prediction. I mean, I guess I, by picking all. Georgia, no, that's not, that's not bold. Is it bold? Is that not no, bold? No, they're number seven, JB. They're, they're it's like, a, I mean, that's, that wouldn't be even that big of an upset. And I, like a bold prediction would be either, would be like A&M beating Alabama, even though like A&M's ranked 13. That would be a bold prediction. South Carolina beating Florida could be a bold prediction. Yeah, I mean, I don't really have anything too bold this week other than A&M's going to surprise some people and keep it close with Alabama. I mean, maybe that's bold. I don't think they're going to win, but I really think A&M's going to come out and play Alabama tough. All right, I'll give you my bold prediction. I mean, I, I we already talked about this Florida-South Carolina game. I didn't really elaborate how close I think it be. I think Florida is only going to win this game by field goal. Do you think it's going to be like a come down to the fourth quarter and they're going to carry a field goal with like less than five minutes to win or something like that? Yes, I do think that Florida is going to kick a field goal uh, with uh, time expiring or almost fire, and they're going to come away and sneak away with victory here. Nothing scarier than depending on your kicker in college to win a game for you. Nope, and especially you know against a well Mushan coach team, he knows how to play. You know, to keep these games close. Offensive player of the week, y'all got that? I mean, we could do defense, but I think offense is more fun to talk about. Neither, neither of y'all got anything, Garantano. I mean, <laughs> you just got to throw out a Tennessee player, I, I right? Think, yeah. I think I'll see a smoke. I mean, obviously, I mentioned him earlier. I think he's going to have a big game this week. Um, I really want to see uh, is it Eric or Eric or Rick Eric. Garrett? However, I'm not sure how you say his name. The tight end from LSU um, had a touchdown that he kind of stole from another LSU player. But um, I'm anxious to see if they get him more involved this this week. Um, there's so much hype about him, that, and he didn't really get targeted that much last week. I wonder if they're going to try to get him more involved this week. Yeah, you know what? I'll go uh, – I'll stick with my guns here from last week. 
I expect uh, Miles Brennan to uh, have a little bit of a bounce back week. He threw for 300 yards last week. I think he's going to throw uh, nearly a flawless game. I don't think he throws any picks, and I think he throws for over 350 this week. So that's your offensive player of the week? Yes. Okay. All right, well, write it down and uh, remember it so we can either, like, make fun of each other or um, talk about how smart one of you are or both of you are by uh, the next week's uh, recap podcast. So thanks, everyone, for listening. That's all the SEC games for the week. Um, Hopefully you get rich by listening to our picks. And uh, we're excited to do the recap podcast in a few days. But make sure you follow us on Twitter and subscribe to us uh, at SEC Slow Smoked. Until then, we'll see you later. Thanks for tuning in to another outstanding episode of the SEC Slow Smoke Podcast. Be sure to rate us and subscribe on iTunes or your podcast app of choice. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at SEC Slow Smoked. Spread the good word on this podcast like the chili and cheese on your fries. If you like this podcast, tell a friend, because there's plenty to go around. Oh.